0: Welcome to AT Parenting Survival Podcast, where you get support and guidance through the chaos of parenting. Here's your host, child therapist, Natasha
1: Daniels. Well, hello there, and welcome to another episode of the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. Today, I'm going to be talking about how do you handle our kids who are very controlling, And this topic suggestion came from a listener. So thank you for the suggestion. And I thought it was a really good topic. So I definitely wanted to make it a priority to cover it because I think it's something that we are all dealing with. Whether you have a child who has anxiety or anxiety and OCD, controlling issues are a big part of it. And we're gonna get into why that is uh, and how to handle that. So the why and the how before I get started I want to just give you an update on how things are going in the AT parenting survival world um, I hope that you are in our private Facebook group and if you are not you can go there by going to Facebook and it's AT parenting it's AT parenting anxious kids or you can just go I made a, an abbreviated link you can go to bitly bit.ly/ capital, Natasha Daniels, and you'll get right into my Facebook group. So that's pretty cool. I was trying to find a way to make it a little bit simpler and don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. So you don't miss the episodes. They come out every single Tuesday and I wouldn't want you to miss one. And if you're not following me on Instagram, I'm really starting to put my attention on the Instagrams. I haven't for probably four years and I am now. And so if If you are on Instagram, look me up. I am at anxious toddlers. It's not about toddlers, but that is my name. And I do weekly IGTV videos on there. And I also do something in my feet every single day. So if you want to look at a little bit of behind the scenes in my world and in my life, that is the only place you're going to really probably see that besides the stories I share with you on my podcast. The last thing I want to mention before we get into how to handle controlling behavior is... I am actually in the middle of, I'm actually almost done with a new online course. And so if you've taken any of my online courses before, you know that you can take them at your own pace, at your own time, whenever you want. They are bite sized short videos that I make. And in my last few online classes, I've been making them so that they are part for you. And then I'm making videos for your kids to bring home the points that I'm teaching you. So that it's really a twofer because it's a course for you. And it's actually a course for your kids. So I like that new approach. I am making one. I got tons of requests to make one on behavior, specifically, how do you discipline a child's behavior when it is really coming from their anxiety and, or their OCD. And that's kind of what we're talking about today too. We're taking one type of behavior, that becomes kind of an issue. And in the online course, I go through a lot of different behaviors that you're going to see with kids with anxiety and OCD. And then what do you do with it? I give you a lot of tools and skills because really it's very counterintuitive. Typical parenting approaches just aren't going to work if the origin is because of their anxiety or OCD. And so there's a zillion parenting books and blog articles and podcasts and courses even on behavior. But this class is very specific and it's purely about the behavior that is caused and driven by anxiety or OCD. I think there was a need for that. So if you are interested in learning more about that, that is coming out in just a few weeks at the beginning of June. And if you want to get on my wait list, it would be a good thing because my waitlist is going to get an extra bonus. They're going to get notified a day before the course goes live and they're going to get a special discount. So, if you are even remotely interested in taking this class, you want to get on that waitlist so you are included so that you know about the special discount and you get notified the day before it comes out. So, you can text me at 44222 and just type in all one word AT behavior. And then just give me your email and you'll get on the wait list. And then um, I'll notify you when it goes live or actually it'll go live for you before everybody else. Okay. So let's move into talking about controlling behavior. For starters, I want to go into the why, because it is important for you to understand what is driving your child's behavior. And I talk a lot about that in the online class too. Like if you don't understand what's going on behind the behavior, you've lost all significance and meaning, and so you're going to approach it probably in a way that's not going to be very effective. And behavior can be a learning tool if it's done right, if you understand what's going on. So kids with anxiety and OCD, I'm going to talk about them separately because they are a little bit different. So your child with OCD might have some of the things I'm going to talk about related to OCD and may have some of the things related to anxiety as well. So it's kind of a layer thing. Let's just break it down though. Let's just talk about anxiety first. So kids tend to be more controlling because some of the obvious things, right? Some of the things that I'm sure you're thinking about, they want things to be predictable. They wanna know what's happening. And so they become very controlling, controlling of our household, controlling of our plans, controlling of what we do and when we do it and how we do it. And that can be really overwhelming as a parent where you're like having to tell them every second, what you're doing next and having to tell them why the plans have changed and dealing with their, their anger towards that sometimes. So the first reason is because they want their world to be predictable. Now, part of that could be because they have a lot of triggers. And so some of it might be, you know, if we go to this certain restaurant, I'm going to be triggered. And so I need to know where we're going and what we're doing because I'm overwhelmed. Or it could be, I'm always worried about my time. I need a lot of downtime. Am I going to have enough time to play? How long are we going to be out? Where are we going? Who are we going to see? How long are we going to stay there? Right? Cause I need to know my schedule. It could be, I'm afraid of throwing up. And so who's going to be there? How many people are going to be there? How far away is it from home? It could be a zillion things. I'm just trying to give you a flavor of what I'm talking about. So That is why it's so important to know your child's core fears and triggers. And I did a whole podcast episode on core fears, and I will link it so that, you know, but it is episode 51. So if you want to go back and listen to episode 51, when I talk about your child's core fears, that's a really important thing. And in all of my online classes, I really stress that too, that you have to get behind even the anxiety or the OCD and figure out what is driving it. What are the core fears? So if you know your child's core fears, you know their triggers, then they're going to get more controlling in those areas. And so unfortunately when you're parenting kids with anxiety or OCD, we have to parent with multiple layers. And so we have to look at behavior because they're they're kids and they're gonna have just typical behavior. And then we also have to have that extra layer, the extra um, glasses on that also filter out, is this related to one of their triggers? is this one of their core anxiety or OCD themes? And it's not to give them an excuse, but how you approach it, and I go a lot into this in the behavior class, but how you approach it, this is pretty much a bulk of what I talk about, is going to be vastly different. So if I have a child that is just being controlling because they're being entitled or they're being difficult, then I'm gonna approach that differently than I am going to approach it if I know it's one of my child's core fears or um, one of their triggers. Now, if we're dealing with a child with anxiety and OCD, and we're talking about controlling behavior, not other things. Like I go into my behavior class, uh, talking back or just being oppositional or, you know, typical, typical kid things. But for this episode, talking about, um, controlling behavior, even if we cannot identify a true core fear or trigger that's driving the controlling behavior, your child might have adopted that personality trait in general to deal with the overwhelming feelings they're having. So worries tend to make kids feel out of control. So my second point with anxiety, the first one was needing things to be predictable, and that could be driven by specific phobias and fears, or just an overall fear of not knowing what's going to happen next. And the second point is that worries in general, make kids feel like they're out of control. Um, It makes them feel like the sky is falling. It makes them feel like unpredictable things can happen. Their body can have a false alarm and throw them into um, a huge overwhelming feeling of panic for no reason. That's scary. And so they tend to get controlling over everything else. Uh, When it comes to OCD, it's a little bit different. And that's why I want to cover them both. A lot of times kids are controlling with OCD primarily because it's not about being controlling. It's about you following OCD's rules. And so they're controlling because they, one, don't want to be triggered, but on a different level. Like, I don't want you to touch that because right now you're contaminated because you went and did this, blah, blah, blah. And so now you're contaminated. And so if you touch my favorite shirt, I'll never be able to wear my shirt again. And so I'm going to freak out at you and say, don't touch my clothes, Um, or I might get really controlling and have you do compulsions for me more often than not, kids will involve their parents in their OCD compulsions. And a lot of times parents aren't even aware of this. And I talk a lot about that in other podcasts. So that's not the purpose of today. Um, I go into it in very big detail in my parenting kids with OCD online course, but you are being controlled by the OCD. So if your child says you need to cut my food Um, and I want you to wear gloves, you know, while you're handling my food, or I want you to rinse out all my cups to make sure there's no dust in them before you give me anything to drink. Or I need you to handle this in a certain way, or I need you to touch the remote because I can't touch it. That's not necessarily being controlling. That's them doing a compulsion and involving you in it. You know, I say, I love you. And then you have to say, i love you too. And if you forget the two, you need to start all over. That's not being controlling. That's the wrong word. Um, That's doing a compulsion. And so I think that's an important thing to bring up and mention when we're talking about controlling behavior, because a lot of you out there might be dealing with OCD compulsions and you're misinterpreting it as just controlling behavior. You may not even realize your child has OCD because a lot of times OCD is missed. And if your child is telling you how to do things in a specific way or having you repeat things back in a very specific way um or wanting you to do things in a certain order, you you definitely want to rule out OCD. Okay, so that was a lot about the why. But now how do you work with that? That's the more important thing, right? Uh well it is good to get a differential diagnosis because if it is OCD, you are going to approach it in a very OCD sort of way. And so you definitely want to make sure that you know what you're dealing with first. Um, And I have, not to keep throwing resources at you, but I do have lots of resources about um, what's the difference between anxiety and OCD. And you can find that in episode 104, how to tell the difference between anxiety and OCD. So if you're not sure and you're like, wait a minute, Natasha, tell me, because now you're telling me I can't move on. Go listen to that podcast and look for a mental health professional in your area to help you with that. And you can always find one at, or you can at least start to find one at I-O-C-D-F, org slash find help. That's the international OCD foundation's uh, resource page. That's always where I recommend people start. So the first thing you want to do with controlling behavior is one, not personalize it. And I know we talk a lot about that. You have to look past the behavior because it's very easy to get sucked into the surface issue and to feel like your child is being bratty or entitled or just difficult For difficult sake. And we want to look past the ugly behavior and realize that behind that is an anxious kid or a kid with OCD who is freaking out and who needs to exert a sense of control in order for them to feel okay. Now, having said that it's not good for us to allow that level of control to happen in our home. And so it's this kind hearted, empathetic understanding of what's going on while creating firm boundaries, because if you don't, and we'll get into this in a second, the anxiety or OCD will really spiral out of control. The The ironic thing is kids with anxiety and OCD need structure. They need boundaries. They need firmer boundaries than most typical kids. They just have to have it in a very loving, compassionate way, but they need more boundaries. Um, And I think that's counterintuitive because a lot of times we feel like they just need to be given some wiggle room. They need to be given more choices. They need to be given um, more, more room to blur the boundaries because we have to give them, give them a break because they have anxiety or OCD. And sadly, that's not the case. I always find that it's the opposite that they need to know that we've got them that there are boundaries and that we are going to lovingly respect them. And how do we do that? Right? So the first step is always, no matter what I'm talking about, we want to know that we get it. We want them to know we get what they're going through. We understand that because if we miss this step, they're going to think you don't, you don't get it. You don't understand. You're just coming down on me and you don't understand it. So we want to validate it as cheesy as that sounds as very therapy, that, therapist, <laughs> that's not a word, but whatever it sounds, we want to do that because we want our kids to first understand that we get it. So let me try to think of an example of like some controlling behavior. Okay. So I'll come up with a scenario that's kind of common at my house, just a general, general um, scenario. So let's say my miss seven had a hard day at school. She's been having a lot of anxiety at school. Thank Gosh, school is ending tomorrow. Today is the last day, last full day of school. So that's awesome. But, um, let's say she came home and I know she had a rough day. And I know this because maybe she called me from the nurse a couple of times. Um, yeah, the nurse and I are like on a first name basis. And so maybe I know she had a really rough day. So her triggers have been triggered and she's not coming home in a pretty sort of way. And then maybe, her, we're all sitting in the living room and her brother, who's nine, is playing on his iPad and maybe he's like humming or something. He's making some sort of noise. He's a very noisy kid. And normally she'd be able to handle that, but because she's already kind of fed up with the day, she barks at him and says, shut up, right? Sometimes she's not not the nicest kid in the world. She might say something like, be quiet. You know, I'm I'm trying to relax here or whatever, right? So she's trying to control him. And so I would say, I would first validate it. So instead of just jumping right in and being like, hey, don't talk to him like that, that's rude. You know, we don't talk to people like that. I will first say something like, I know you had a bad day. I know it was a rough day for you and that you are full of swirls right now. We talk about swirls a lot and and I get that, but, and here's the but part, right? So we validate it and then we move into step two, which is, You only control yourself. You don't control other people. And so we can't tell other people what to do. And I know you want to, but you can't. So what can you do if that noise is bothering you? Because he's allowed to make noises. And then, um, you know, I might get barked at myself. And so the, the anger gets redirected to me. That's fine. But I'm not allowing her to control other people. And I'm not telling other people around her to bend and accommodate her barks because she had a rough day. Because when we do that, even though it seems like a very sympathetic, kind-hearted thing to do, we're we're also validating the need for her to control her environment and that she has the ability to control other people. And she doesn't. And the rest of the world is not going to succumb to her barks when she's having a rough day. And so when we do that, we're actually ironically doing a disservice to our kids because we're teaching them in our home environment, you know what? We know you had a hard day. So we are all going to acquiesce to whatever you need, whatever you want. Um, You just tell us what you need and we're going to all bend to that. That's not reality for her at work. That's not gonna be reality for her with maybe her partner. Um, We don't know. So I much prefer in a perfect world to, to constantly say, we don't control other people. So what can you do? And then she might say, I don't know. He's horrible. I hate him. And then I would say, um, and then I would problem solve for her. So if your child is stuck, you know, then you problem solve for them. And you say my off, my home office, it's my office. I always say my office. My office is quiet. If you want to go in my office, you can go in there and watch TV and you can shut the door and no one will be in there. No one will bother you. Or you can go in my bedroom in my behavior class, I talk about zones and identifying zones. And so with her, I might say, go find another zone that you can go into so you can be quiet and you can relax. So it's not a punishment. I'm not sending her off. I'm telling her you can get your needs met. And this is how now, if she's anxious about being by herself, cause I know some of our kids don't want to be in a room alone. I'll say, go get your noise canceling headphones. Do you want me to get them for you? So I am being nice. You know, I'll get up because maybe she's a puddle and I'll go get them for her. Um, but if she chooses not to use any of these skills that were problem solving, then I might you know, tell her she has to be removed. If you're gonna continue yelling at him, that's not fair to him. He's had a long day too. So a little bit of sprinkling of empathy, right? Then I'm gonna have to ask you to go somewhere else because you can't stay here and ruin all of our peace because you had a rough day and you're upset. And so a lot of this is, like I say this a lot, but a lot of this is just planting seeds. And so you, you don't want to gauge your success of these approaches on your child's reaction. Sometimes that happens when I'm talking to people, I'll suggest things and they will say that didn't work. At, that didn't work at all. Now that that didn't work. And I'll say, what happened? And I'll say, well, I told her everything you just said. And then she barked back at me. She yelled. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and they're like, well, yeah, she didn't seem very happy about it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Your kids are not a good litmus test to whether your parenting style is working. So because they're not okay in that moment. So they're not going to pat you on the back and say, mom, excellent job using Natasha's skills. I can tell that you've got your a game on right now. (laughs) Yeah, that's not going to happen. So don't wait for that what you're doing is you're planting skills you are setting an intention of i'm teaching my child that they don't control other people they only control themselves and i'm teaching them that one by my words two by problem solving and three by um not allowing them and other members of the family to be controlled by them and so it is experiential they're experiencing that they can't control other people they're hearing that they can't control other people and i'm modeling it for them because i'm not controlling other people and so that's how we want. We want to just soak them up with this message with a lot of the messages that we're doing. So I must say to my kids ad nauseum, I'm sure I say this probably almost every single week, multiple times a week. I say to my kids, you don't control other people. You only control yourself. You don't control other people. You only control yourself. And so that's become kind of a mantra in my house. Um, I say it so much and because I really, Want them to understand that. And I do have some very controlling kids. (laughs) So let's get into some some specifics about how you can use language for this. So if your child is trying to control you, there's different ways kids will try to control you. So there's just the general way that we talked about before, where they're going to be like, where are we going? I don't want to go there. Why are we going there? Like, so they just try to dictate what you do. And so I do say, that less is more. My husband had an epiphany the other day. Um, he picks them up, the kids up from school, although not anymore because summer is here. Um, and he takes them out for dinner on Thursdays. And he always gives them a choice and he'll say, Where do you guys want to go? Which has gotten a lot harder because my daughter was diagnosed with celiac in October. So it's gotten trickier. So the options are even less. And um, they inevitably argue, and if one says one thing, the other one will always say the other, just because they're difficult kids. You know, they just want to be difficult with each other. And so he he realized. He said the other day, you know what? I've stopped giving them a choice. I just say this is where we're going. And even though, with typical parenting, that sounds like a terrible idea, with our kids, that's actually really good because my son has OCD issues around food, and my daughter has some anxiety around public places. And so both of their anxieties play a role in where they want to go and what they want to do. And there's really no appeasing them. And so when you take that responsibility away from them and you say, we are going here tonight, then you just have to deal with the struggle that they're going to have no matter what. But ironically, he said they're they will bicker a little bit, and then that'll be the end versus when they both have a say in where they want to go. He said it will go on for like an hour. So less is sometimes more for our kids. Sometimes the idea of a choice is too much for them. And even though it seems like it's the right thing to do, and a lot of typical parenting books and approaches will tell you, give your kids lots of choices. For kids with anxiety and OCD, it actually can be very overwhelming. It's different for each kid. So it may not be for you. So the first thing you want to do if your child let's say, um, so my daughter had an issue with this one restaurant because she had seen, um, she had seen something in the bathroom. Like there was a a boy getting changed. And so it, for some reason it triggered her anxiety, which I actually think is morphing into some OCD and it triggered her anxiety. And so she never wanted to go back to that restaurant because of what she saw. It was totally irrational. And so one day we were going to go there and she was like, Nope, I don't want to go. I'm not going. And so One way that you can do it, if you know your child's being controlling based on a very specific anxiety is personify it. And so we say, you know, your worry cloud, you know, doesn't boss us around. We love you. And we wish your worry cloud wouldn't boss you around, but it does. And I know you're working really hard on it, but it never bosses us around because we're not your worry clouds friend, right? We're here because we love you. And so that sounded like the worry cloud was talking and not you. And we are definitely going to that restaurant. So, and then I move into challenges and empowering them and giving them skills. And so the story continues, but not for this podcast. I once worked with the family a really long time ago, probably like 19 years ago, 18 years ago, I'm getting super old and I did in-home therapy. And so I was an in-home child, uh, toddler therapist, and I would go into people's houses and I would help parents, um, through early intervention and I remember I went into this one family's house and the, the little son, he was like probably three or four and he literally controlled the house. He would tell the mom where to sit, um, put your arm here, you know, hold my plate here. And she was, she was literally a hostage when he would go to the bathroom. He would have her stand on a certain tile in the house and she'd have to stand there. And then if she moved off the tile, he would yell at her. And so she'd move back on the specific tile that the son wanted her to be on. That's extreme. And so in those cases, when your child's like literally dictating where you put your hands or where you stand or what you wear, or if you wear your hair up or down, I've seen a lot of that in my practice. Um, that story was the most pronounced that I've ever seen where she was literally a hostage in her home, super severe. You don't want it to get like that. And so the way that you respond, your child is your worry cloud can tell you what to do. And I wish that it didn't, but it can, but it will never boss me around. And so you control your hands, but I control my hands or you control your mouth, but I control my mouth. So you can control what words you say, but I control what words I say. And so you do it in a loving way, but you might have to do it ad nauseum because these are seeds and they're not going to sprout right away. But, um, You want to get that language down pat. So, you know, you control your arms, but you don't control mine. Or your worry cloud can tell you what to do, but it doesn't tell me what to do because I love you. I don't listen to the worry cloud. So, use that language every single day if you have a controlling child. If you have an older child and worry cloud is a babyish thing or you don't have a personified name for it, you can say um, your anxiety or you can say, I like dictator for older kids. So, that's a good one. Now, when it comes to OCD, I want to touch on that briefly before we wrap up. That's completely different because you're not dealing with a controlling child. You're dealing with compulsions. So hopefully if you are in that boat, you have an OCD therapist. And if you don't, you're going to go to iocdf.org slash find help and find somebody. Hopefully there's someone in your area, but if you are working with someone, you might ask your therapist on how you can pull back what I do in my practice. And I know there's lots of people who listen to me who don't have any providers in their area or even in their country. And so they, they need some guidance and suggestions because there is no one near them. So I always have parents make a list of all the things that they have to do for their child's OCD. So when I first see a child in my practice, One of the first things I do, besides educating them on OCD, um, I always like them to watch the movie Unstuck, an OCD kids movie. There's like certain things that I do as part of like my beginning uh, introduction to treatment. So I also have the kid, a lot of times, you know, they'll write down all their obsessive and compulsive thoughts and behaviors, but then I'll have the parent write down a list of all the different compulsions that they are part of. So I just have them track it for a day. And then we go through it and we rate it with a child. And so if let's say, um, child says, sorry, and I have to say, I'm sorry. I have to say something back like, oh, your apology is accepted or that's okay. Right. I have to say it very specifically, or if a child does a confession and they say, mom, I think I had a bad thought yesterday that you were fat. Then as the mom, I have to say, don't worry about it, whatever it is, or let's say, part of the compulsion is I have to prepare their food in a certain way, or um, I have to lay out their towel before they take a shower because nobody else can touch it. Or I have to wipe down the toilet before they go to the bathroom or after they go to the bathroom, or I have to do a series of ritualistic behaviors before they go to bed so they can go to sleep. I mean, the list can go on and on and on because OCD loves to involve families. So make a list of all the compulsions that you're involved in that you feel controlled by and then rank them, um, with your child. So say if I didn't, and then you have to preface it and say, look, we're not going to do this right now, but I'm part of growing your OCD. I don't want to be part of that. Right. And I have tons of resources on this. So if you go on my website at survival.com and you go all the way to the bottom there's a search button. It's actually very handy because I've probably written or recorded a podcast or recorded a video on almost every topic I can imagine because I've been doing this since 2015. So there's a lot of stuff on my website. So if you go all the way down to the search button um at survival.com and you type in OCD loop, OCD loop, you're going to find a lot of stuff. And the reason why I'm telling you this is because A lot of times I'll be talking when I'm recording these podcasts and then I'll be like, oh, and I have done, I've tons of resources on this. And then I'll be like, let me find out what they are. And then I'll go to my website and I'll go to my search button and I'll just type in the, the key phrase that I think will get me the most stuff. And when I did that for this topic, I didn't see, I didn't see any podcasts on it. And so that doesn't mean that I didn't do one, but this is podcast episode 120. So I've done 120 episodes and I'm pretty sure I'm having early dementia. So no, I'm just kidding, but who knows? So I don't remember if I've done one. I'm sure I have, but I do have a couple of YouTube videos on them. So I have one episode 58 on my YouTube channel, how to not get sucked into your child's OCD loop. Unfortunately on YouTube, it's really hard to find things. Um, like podcast episodes are really easy because they're, they're numbered. And iTunes was trying to discourage us from numbering them. They said they're going to number them, but I still number mine in my title so that you can easily find them. But um, my YouTube videos are harder. So even if I told you it was episode 58, you're not gonna be able to find that on my YouTube channel. It gets a little tricky. So you can find them on my website because I always embed my YouTube videos on my website. So you don't really have to be going to like iTunes and YouTube. Like it's everything is there, but do that and you'll find, um, an episode, how to not get sucked into your child's OCD loop. I did another one for kids, um, how to help kids with, well, that's actually not related to that. Yeah. So I don't know, but there is that YouTube video and I'm pretty sure there's podcast episodes too. I just don't have time to go and search for them. So you want to start to rank them and then you want to say, okay, If it's a 10, right? If you don't say, I'm sorry, like I accept your, your apology, I'll be a 10. Okay. That's not the first thing we're going to tackle. But if it's, if they say, you know, it would probably be like a three, if you didn't hold the door for me, or if I had to touch the door myself. So you want to rank it and then you want to systematically go through and, you know, maybe one day or one week at a time, you pull back and you stop doing those accommodations. You stop doing those compulsions. That is actually incredibly key to effective OCD treatment. I always work with the child and the parents, because if I don't pull the parents, OCD compulsions back, then it doesn't matter what I'm doing with the child, because I have someone who's accommodating OCD at the house, but you can't do it in one fell swoop because it'd be too overwhelming for everybody. So you have to do it systematically. And this episode is not about that. Um, I have other episodes on that. So, I just want to mention how you would do that and how you would start to pull back. So I hope that this helps. I hope this gives you some ideas on how to address the controlling behavior. If you allow the OCD or anxiety to control your house, it will only want to control more and more of it. So when you get opportunities to have a teaching moment and teach your kids that they don't control other people, they only control themselves, it's actually a life lesson. And one thing that I do to kind of keep my sanity and keep my patience is realize that I'm not only dealing with this behavior that I'm dealing with that's in front of me, but I'm teaching, I'm teaching a life skill. So I'm teaching my child how not to be a controlling person, how not to be a controlling human being. And we teach them that with love and patience, and it takes time. And so when I see the bigger picture in my parenting, when I see like what lessons I'm teaching on a global scale, I tend to have more patience and I tend to be more effective than when I think of like how their behavior is just completely annoying and it's disrupting our family and it's rude. And, you know, if we didn't have this behavior, how much happier our whole entire family would be. None of those thoughts are really going to generate like positive vibes in my, in my parenting. Right. (laughs) But when I try to reframe it and I'm not perfect, honestly, a lot of times I go to that dark place where I think, oh my gosh, what would life be like if I didn't have to spend like another 30 minutes explaining to you why you need to not control us and lots of other behaviors as well. But when I think about the bigger picture, I think, you know what, how many, how many kids without anxiety and OCD are learning about not controlling other people? you know, because it's not coming up as clear as it's coming up in my house or in your house, or how many other people aren't teaching their kids about self-regulation because it's not coming up as strongly. So I try to look at the silver lining, you know, that there are some cool skills that are being built that are gonna make our kids awesome adults and awesome human beings. So you got to see the silver lining in things. If you are enjoying the podcast, you can give back by leaving a star on iTunes or wherever you consume your podcast. I know there's more and more choices out there and I really appreciate that. That helps other people realize the value in the show. If you have a few extra minutes, I always appreciate people taking the time to write a review. Um, It touches my heart. It also gives some specifics to other parents who are looking at maybe watching the podcast. So I really appreciate when people do that. And I appreciate it so much that I like to show my gratitude by reading one at the end of every show. So I want to thank Sarah Skye for leaving a review. She wrote so glad I found this podcast. My nine-year-old daughter has been struggling with a fear of germs and excessive hand-washing on and off for about a year. She saw a local therapist for a couple of months and she seemed better, but is much worse now. The therapist never mentioned OCD. After binge listening to these podcasts and showing my daughter some of your YouTube videos, we're trying to get her in with someone who specializes in OCD. That makes me so sad and so happy at the same time. I mean, that's exactly why I do this. I mean, how sad that the therapist never mentioned OCD when it's just like classic, classic signs of OCD. And I'm so glad that you stumbled on my podcast and that you're finding an OCD therapist because there are some amazing, beautiful, talented OCD therapists out there. And you want to get into one of their hands because they're going to help you the most. So for anyone else who's, you know, trying to find an OCD therapist, don't spin your wheels with a therapist who doesn't understand OCD because it's a waste of money. It's a waste of time and it can get really frustrating. So go to iocdf.org slash find help. And that can be really, 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 really helpful to start there. So thank you again, Sarah, for leaving a review. I really appreciate it. And if you have something to say, maybe I'll be reading your review next time. Don't forget to find the sparkle in everything you do. I'll talk to you next week. Take care.
0: When I first discovered Natasha, I was in a desperate place with my son and his anxiety was getting worse and we had tried counseling and it was not going well. Natasha gave us practical tools. She wasn't like the books that we had read that were, you know, you have three kids but somehow you can magically spend 10 hours a day on your one anxious kid and just, you know, life is great for the other two. She's helped me understand OCD on a level that no therapist, I have come across seems to understand. Natasha had practical, real-life advice that we started implementing the day that we listened to them. Not only did it help with our son's anxiety, it helped my husband and I to recognize the anxiety that we had in our parenting that was actually contributing to our children's anxiety. Had tools are i mean life-changing she has been amazing and i'm so thankful for the work that she provides to all of us who have children um, who battle anxiety and ocd it is so exciting to see him about a year later just thriving in school she really has guided us the whole way and Without her, lives would be very different and very grateful. My husband and I are forever grateful to Natasha Daniels for helping us to figure out where to even start with anxiety. If you have a child with anxiety or OCD, she is your go-to woman. Parenting a child with anxiety is not easy and sometimes it feels hopeless and um, in a desperate time in my journey with my son. I started searching the internet and found Natasha Daniels. She has been a lifesaver. Her resources have given me hope. They've given me tools and support, and I I highly recommend her and her resources. They are phenomenal, and they're some of the best resources you can find out there for anxiety and OCD.
1: Hi, my name is Natasha Daniels, and I understand what it's like to raise kids with anxiety and OCD. I'm doing it every single day. And I also know what it feels like to empower them, to give them the skills and tools to help themselves, to watch them blossom, face their fears and become more than their anxiety and more than their OCD. And I want to do that for you as well. Join me in the AT Parenting community where I partner with you and walk alongside you in your journey helping you getting to know your family and your child's particular needs and particular struggles. I'll help guide you and walk you through ways to empower your own kids and see success in your house. You will finally have someone in your corner who not only has the understanding of your struggle, but has the expertise and knowledge to help get you through it. You can find out more about the AT Parenting Community at atparentingcommunity.com or you can text all one word AT parenting community to 44222. Together we can do this.
0: She's really good and I hope I'll be like her. I have had OCD for over five years. I have trained my brain and you can do the same thing.